Welcome to Radio Utblick. In this edition, we begin in the biggest paradigm shifts of all, from God's providence to the will of man. In a conversation about development and globalization, we're trying to answer the very basic question if the world is getting better or if the world is getting worse. We were asked to broadcast the final hour of World College Radio Day within the theme of the end of the world as we know it. We thought of Global Studies and invited Hans Abramsson and Jan Scholte to the studio for a live broadcast at World College Radio Day, trying to figure out if this question has an answer. This is the available on-demand post version of the live broadcast. I am Alice Bakunke, Minister of Culture and Democracy, and I support World College Radio Day. Hello, this is Jens Lekman. Hey, this is Tina from No No No. My name is Brian Palmer, and I'm delighted to support World College Radio Day. For more info about World College Radio Day, please visit worldcollegeradioday.com or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. 6 Ekim Dünya Üniversite Radyoları Günü. Ang ikaanim ng Oktubre ay World College Radio Day. World College Radio Day 2017 is sponsored by Radio Jar, Hindenburg, SoundCloud and Turku University in Finland. Coming up for the next hour is Sweden. Hej och välkomna till World College Radio Day. Det här är K103 Göteborgs studentradio. Welcome to the show. My name is Gustav Nyqvist and you're listening to K103 Gothenburg Student Radio. We are live from Gothenburg, Sweden for the closing hour of this 24-hour marathon. And uh, we are going to talk about a very basic and important question. Maybe maybe figure out even if the world is getting better or if the world is getting worse. Uh, I usually produce a show on the student radio called Radio Utblick. It translates roughly into Radio Outlook. It's a foreign affairs show. Uh, I do in a student organization called Society of International Affairs. Uh, We are a bunch of students in international relations or political science, basically. Uh, Here with me in the studio tonight, helping me to figure out if the world is getting better or worse, are two very competent scholars. They are both at the Department of Global Studies at the Gothenburg University and uh, very well well liked by their students, I might add. And I'm super happy to have them here with me. Uh, I'm going to let uh, both of you make a short presentation of yourselves. Uh, welcome to the show, Hans Abrahamsson. Thank you for having me. Might you give you a short introduction to who you are? Yeah, I am Associate Professor in Peace and Development Studies. Uh, what would you say have been your like biggest contribution to the Gothenburg University? You've been there for many, many years. What's your focus, so to speak? I think my main focus uh, and our mission has been to facilitate the understanding of the ongoing transformation of the world as far as our students are being concerned. And also welcome to the show is uh, Jan Scholte. Thank you, Gustav. Yes, I'm Jan Scholte. I'm a professor of uh, peace and development here at the University of Gothenburg. I arrived here four years ago. I was in the UK for nearly 30 years before that at the Universities of Warwick and Sussex and spent some time in the Netherlands where I was born uh, at the Institute of Social Studies in The Hague. All right. Before we get into it, I thought we should invite all of our listeners from all around the world to give us their input of the question uh, we're going to discuss here. Is the world getting better or is the world getting worse? Uh, 
Uh, I think the scope of this broadcast makes the question even more interesting since people are listening from all over the world. And how do you do that? How do you give your input? You go to Facebook and you find our page, World College Radio Day. And then you just drop whatever you think uh, on the comment section. All right then. Uh, we're going to try to cover this complex yet basic question from a wide set of angles or dimensions, if you will. Uh, I myself think time is uh, like a really interesting uh, dimension when you talk about is the girl getting is the world getting better or worse? Because if you say like, for instance, five years might seem bleak, but if you say 50 years, it might seem great. So that's one of my favorite dimensions when I try to figure out how the world is or the world not is. Uh, but before we get into these questions, I'm gonna just try and ask like a simple yes or no question <laughs> to, my, uh, to my guests here in the studio. Uh, if there are any like debate in society of the world is getting better or no. So like Hans Abramsson, is the world getting better? Yes and no. Why? Depending on the answer, I believe is depending on where you sit. If you're in my age, new entering retirement, born and raised in Sweden, you have a different understanding of the world than my fellow citizens in Southern Africa or in Latin America, or for that matter in, in, in the Middle East. So from a personal perspective, is the world, is the world getting better for In you? Some, uh, to some extent, yes, indeed it is. You, know, you can imagine that the uh, population of the world has doubled uh, from 1960, from 3 billion to some 7 billion people. At the same time, the lifetime expectancy has increased from 50 to 70 years. Child mortality has decreased and so has poverty, the extreme poverty. But that would not mean that the world has become safer. At the contrary, I believe that the world is in danger for various reasons. Mm. And Jan, is the world getting worse? It depends. So you've not had two academics, <laughs> yes. one that says yes and no, and the other one that says it depends. I'm afraid you mm. asked for it when you asked two academics to come along. But uh, no, to be serious, yeah, it, but it does depend. Uh, it depends on not only where you are in the world, but also where you are in society, your, your class position, your race position, your gender position, your able-bodied, disabled position, and, and so on. There are so many different social positions as well as regional positions that people are in. Uh, and it also depends on what your criteria for measuring the better or worse. If you're thinking about material welfare, it's one thing. If you're thinking about democracy, it might be something else. If you're thinking about distributive justice, it might be something else. If you're thinking about morality, it could be something else again. Solidarity, ecological integrity. I mean, it depends on what, what dimension you're measuring the better or worse on. Mm. W obviously, we have had this um, debate over maybe always in modern society, probably through all time, in various um, <laughs> in various stated questions. And uh, recent years, we've had a pretty big debate uh, if the world is getting better. I'm thinking of Hans Rosling, who made like a really widen the discussion maybe to more broader to a broader audience, especially with his like he had a very flair of showing statistics of how the world got better. And I thought it was like a reaction to maybe cynicism or negativism that he tried to maybe through the United Nations Millennium Goals, showing that the world is getting better. And he also had a very big time span when he talked about if the world was getting better. 
Uh, wh- where would you like to start, Hans, to to describe if the world is getting better or worse? Well, you know, exactly as I said, Hans, actually a friend of mine, did work very much indeed to prove that the world could become better, depending on the policy uh, decision taken. However, he did rest in the comfortable average values. And he was not very interested to look on the extremely differentiation. He was talking about the 80% of the world population and excluded the 20% behind, you know. And that is my preoccupation as a peace and development researcher. I'm not so interested in the average values. I'm more interested in the people being left behind because they are the ones suffered and they are the ones also endangering peace and development, of course. Mm. Uh, Where would you like to start, John, to answer this question if you had to choose like somewhere? Like a field, like a topic, a dimension? Uh, Again, it, it, it varies so, so much. Uh, I, I did a uh, project at one point where I talked to nearly 400 people at 28 locations in seven world regions about what they thought democracy, the, the situation of democracy in the world today. And I got 400 different answers. Mm. So again, to, to think that we can come up with a ra- nice rounded answer and say this is, the, this is where it is. But I do agree with, with Hans that what we really want to listen to are those voices that are not normally heard. And what we do tend to get from the statistics and the confidence of, uh, of, of many academics, uh, United Nations institutions and the like, we, we get very confident uh, figures that, that are meant to make us feel optimistic when very often there are quite some things to feel pessimistic about as well. Mm. All right, we're going to continue our our discussion, but we are going to have a short break with some music and we'll be right back after that.
redan lilla jäkersvann Mamma letar, mamma letar Nassen finns ingenstans Gång och skall gång över torgen Men det hjälper inte han För han sitter i en källare Långt bort från rasseland Rubblar snar och ben och han Blötar tassor i hans hals Käkar hjärnor, hjärnor, hjärnor Stackars tog ingen chans Nej Så går det när man fuckar med imam Mamma borde lät dig bättre Sverige är vårt land Welcome back to the show. We are here live from Gothenburg, Sweden. And we are talking together with Hans Abramsson and Jan Scholte about if the world is getting better or worse. And to me, as a former student from these two scholars, I think about uh, development studies. Uh, When I think about development studies, I think about the Enlightenment project. And it's, of course, uh, very Eurocentric or very European. To me, it's, it's, it starts basically in the 18th, middle of the 18th century. Uh, h- how do you think we should like talk about development? Should we, should we go way further back? Or is it totally, it's, is it a good idea basically to talk about the enlightenment and onwards? Jan? Well, there's two ways of thinking about this. One is, of course, just to think about development. Uh, as social transformation and then you can take it back all uh, to an, any any long term development as a discourse as a practice as a preoccupation is actually something of the middle of the 20th century and the history of development as, as in that sense as something that we talk about development studies is born of the decolonization period and the and the 1950s and 1960s onwards. Um, and then we've had a lot of development decades, United Nations development decades, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. Then we had the Millennium Development Goals, and now we've moved to the Sustainable Development Goals that, that are supposed to take us to 2030. There's sometimes some crisis about development and whether it is making sense in relation to ecological developments, whether it is, as you mentioned yourself, highly Eurocentric and therefore not necessarily responding to the life worlds and life ambitions of many parts of the world. Um, so for some people, there's sometimes a crisis of development um, in different different aspects. We'll see where development uh, where development goes. We are having a conference in uh, in Gothenburg next year on development, and the uh, theme is rethinking development. Mm. as if maybe we have to do something different with it. As part of my research uh, before doing uh, coming up with the questions for this show, I went back to uh, a book that I really like that is uh, written by a Gothenburg scholar from the same institution called Björn Hetne, and it's called uh, What is Development? And I know you, Hans, is actually a big part of that book because you're an old friend of Björn, and he describes you two having a 
continuing discussion about this book and what is development. What 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 is development to you? I think you ha- you had a point, uh, Gustav, and you would like to start with the uh, enlightenment because development is some kind of uh, a social engineering process where humanity decided to have an impact on its destiny, wanting to create a better world, actually. And um, Bjorn, in a historical perspective, tried to identify different discourses on how people approach the question of development. And he found some five, six different discourses. And we have been working together trying to understand what is making one discourse uh, to transform into another. And what's next? And we both are working now on, on, on another development discourse as the present one, the neoliberal one, the belief in the self-regulating market are not delivering what people need. And um, actually, the present discourse has destroyed what we call the um, collective imagination of political action. And that is the reason why I believe that the world is not necessarily becoming safer. Because we must understand that the uh, process of modernization has been an extremely exclusive process, leaving a number of different people behind. As John said, you know, depending on your social position in society, you are benefiting from very different aspects of this process of modernization. And today we can see that the process is not being very inclusive. So there is a number of people having lost faith in their capability to have an impact on the destiny. And that is creating fear, and that is also reducing the impact of democracy. A lot of people understand today that we are living in a post-political society, and and, um, the individualism is increasing rapidly. And that is one of of the great danger. We can see national populism rising out as a consequence of this Mm. lack sense of lack of influence you know and people are, are, are dis- in, in desperation and they start to critics our political leaders and the elites and i think that what's going on in the united states what's going on in in, in 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 england as far as brexit is concerned what is going on in france and what now happened last week in germany is a proof and we have the same development going on all over the world i was recently in south africa the same kind of uh, of, of national populism Six months ago, I was in India, the Hindus, mm. we had the same situation there. So that is really frightening. Mm. But it's almost like the essence of development is like the belief that you can actually do something in society. Bjorn Hetze, he writes it really well in his, uh, I, li- I really like a segment from the book that says, describing enlightenment as from God's providence to the will of man. Yeah. And the, and And from there, like man started taking action and developing society. And that is what mm. we're losing today. You know? Yeah, we, we start losing that. It's not the will of man any longer. Mm. Now yeah, it is the will of the market. Mm. Yes, as uh, well. And that's why we call it the dark ages also. Yeah. Anything mm. before enlightenment because that's to me it was just like wow. Wow, how dark. I wouldn't I wouldn't like to live there if I was not part of nobility because mm. it would have sucked. Mm. Mm. But I think also in the present moment the sense of having a control over a project of social change, social transformation and social development, that that is also in question in a number of areas. On the one hand, it's the the ecological crises that say, well, maybe human control only goes so far. 
and can go to a point where the where where other planetary dynamics take over. Um, there's also the great experience of greater cultural relativism, I think, in the present day. <coughs> Contemporary globalization has brought uh, distances between life worlds and life ways and, and uh, lifestyles, has collapsed a lot of those differences, distances. People realize that people can live very coherent lives in very different ways. So the idea that there is one European development leading the way for the rest of history, for the rest of uh, humanity to follow, that is not kept with the kind of confidence that uh, was prevalent 50, 60 years ago. Yeah. So I think in a lot of those ways, uh, uh, yeah, even sp you even spoke about the about, about uh, you know the will of man. Well, we've also had we've had also had gender revolutions, which have made us think mm. quite differently about uh, who who actually is controlling and what kind of power power hierarchies are determining the development that we know. So, one of the great questions of uh, feminist uh, questioning of uh, of development in in recent decades as well. Yeah, we, we're basically going to be talking a lot about globalization here for the for the coming half hour or more. And uh, one dimension of globalization is the social one, the cultural one. Uh, we have come very much together from a far distance through through globalization, namely like information technology has made it way easier to relate to people over big distance. At the same time, we're growing further apart because we have this this thing with globalization that pulls one way and pulls the other way. But are we, you must, do you agree that we're way closer on the contrary to being further apart? To me, to me it feels like we're way closer. Yeah. Uh, my understanding of society today is that the great transformation, as I call it, of our time, is creating some kind of an amalgamation between the local and the global. And in that sense, obviously, we're getting closer. But as you say, at, this, at the same time, a number of people are being excluded in, uh, from development. And just coming back to, to Jan's intervention, I think it's extremely important to understand that the process of development, not least here in Sweden, did imply a very strong belief in the, in the will of man. And we did in Sweden succeed to create quite a good welfare state for people from above, a top-down process. In order to face the complex issues linked to the process of globalization, linked to this amalgamation between the global and the local, where the social polarization is increasing, etc. I believe, and, 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 and also Bjorn believes, that we, will not, we could not expect any longer uh, the same kind of development process from above creating a good society for someone. Today we must create a good society with people, together with people, and that is some kind of co-creation that is extremely important. And that is also challenged by the, the democracy and the, the apolitic uh, position by a number of people. The individualism is decreasing the activity of, of citizenship, and that is, that is really uh, in danger in order to deal with, with the consequences when the world is, is uh, becoming closer. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is obviously a new process, you can say, and you're creating basically new structures. And there is like tension to be expected from that process. Yes. So are we in the beginning of that still? Are we in the middle of that? Or are we maybe hopefully coming out of that, trying to find new common ground? 
Yeah, if, if, if I can give you a short reflection, I'm working a lot now in, the, or, 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 thinking about this process of transformation that we are in. And I understand the position that we are in some kind of a transformator, leaving the nation state project and the welfare state, going into, and, and, and the question of government, going into some kind of governance and a network society, and perhaps creating a welfare society. And this is, of course, creating fear amongst a lot of people not feeling prepared yeah. to participate in the world. So they are, as Sigmund Bauman calls attention to, in, in the lack of utopia, in the lack of a vision for the future, they are having the retrotopic reaction that would like to withdraw and go back. And therefore we are having this, what Karl Polanyi informed us, this double movement of the expansion, of the process of globalization, and the heavy nationalist reaction to that. Mm. And that is what we see all over the world today. You know, I think that we are in this kind of, 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 of transformator with some struggling of people wanting to continue the process all by on a less uh, corporate-driven way of globalization and a number of people more xenophobic and wanting to go back mm. into the nation-state. And that yeah. is, of course, <coughs> a very dangerous time now. We're going to talk more about uh, nationalism and uh, the political aspect of globalization. But uh, before we do that, we're going to listen to some more music. So stay tuned and we'll be right back. K103. För vi ser dem bränner upp Och de hugger ner, de hugger ner Och vi måste sparka upp Till de ligger ner, de ligger ner Du gamla, du fria Du svarta, du vita Du gamla, du fria du svarta du vita Jag känner dig väl nu så du aldrig kan bli sån Men vet vad du säljer? Det är bara kolla på kvittot vi kollar Var det ett steg eller en spark? Då kastar stenar ibland Det är nog mest för att ingen som har lärt att kasta Nog långt, nog att förträffa rätt skallar Vad du skaffar jobb och någon bara smsar Vad du skaffar lån utan cash hos föräldrar Baby vad du skaffar barn i svarta när han släggar Pengar snackar Ingen snackar pengar Politiken snackar utredning Medieklassen snackar inredning Spela vänner mot varandra Sjön i inseglet Bamsen bara springbenen yeah. För vi ser dem bränner upp Och de hugger ner De hugger ner Och vi måste sparka upp Till de ligger ner De ligger ner Vi hugger ner Kanske talar lite tyst om mitt marokanska arm Man vet aldrig vem som lyssnar, ge dem aldrig någon chans Nu är det trendigt och exotiskt, ska vi dansa för dem va? Sen tyst igen äster, regerar med borde Så flick och pojkrummen Tänk på vad du säger ut i folkmunnen Lir i svensk, pissa aldrig ner i golvbrunnen Och kan köpas var fjärde höst för någon undring så det du har där på banken blir bra ha om det smattrar mot taket på marken Är det ljud utav havet som faller eller ljud utav tänder som gnager på gallret Gnag på gallret, pa. gnag på gallret Smyg för tjejst, vad du sa, tala sanning, måtta ben, måtta ben, måtta ben, landa sparken De har nog aldrig smakat marken, nej För vi ser dem bränner upp Och de hugg 
Welcome back, live from Gothenburg Studio, uh, Gothenburg Student Radio. We are here with uh, Jan Scholte and Hans Abramsson, trying to figure out if the world is getting better or if the world is getting worse. Uh, I think we're still not there yet. We haven't decided. It's uh, as we've been into. It's very, <laughs> very academical. Uh, either yes or no, maybe both. And this, yeah, it's like a dance. Uh, we're going to move on to the political uh, dimension of globalization and we've already been into talking about nationalism and uh, to me from Sweden and uh, as a European it's uh, it's very apparent that we're talk talking a lot about nationalism in Europe and we have lots of different political parties, we have political movements that are national conservative and they are often right extreme right and uh, why do you think why do you think this is happening in in Europe and the European Union this kind of rise of nationalism Jan wow okay there I mean again that's not going to be a simple answer but if mm. we relate it uh, more particularly to the global and the way that a global political economy has evolved over the last 20 years then certainly many people have felt left out, uh, have felt socially insecure, economically insecure, culturally insecure, ecologically insecure. Um, and for some, a turn to an economic, nationalist, xenophobically political, anti-globalization, so-called, uh, is, is an answer, mm. is a seeming answer. Um, and it has large appeal. One should say that that so-called anti-globalization sentiment and mobilization was also quite strong around the turn of the millennium. Uh, the difference was that the alter-globalization, as it might better have been called, Thank of you. that time uh, was, uh, was, was of a more, if one could call it, left-progressive primarily inclination. Um, the present reaction against neoliberal globalization is, on the contrary, uh, much more uh, defensive, inward-looking, uh, inward yeah. and uh, often socially violent, which is very unfortunate. Yeah, we just had, um, not as violent as we expected, but in Gothenburg a couple of days ago, we had a neo-Nazi march in the city center of Gothenburg. Uh, adjacent to a book fair, where which is basically a manifestation for the free word and the press. Uh, didn't get violent. Uh, it turned out really good for the opposition of these neo-Nazis. But I've been covering the uh, elections all over Europe this year, Germany, now just recently, France, Britain, the Netherlands, and it's it's the same story in every country, basically. There's the, an anti-establishment party, 
on the both the, poli- the the left spectrum and the right spectrum but those who are really succeeding is on the right side of the political spectrum some might call them national conservatives someone w- would call them uh, extreme right uh, what do you think this uh, this is about uh, hans well I, i i have a complimentary answer to to the answer of john i do agree that it is a question of being excluded not feeling included but i also believe that it's a question of what i said before the that we have lost the the imagination of collective political action and that is the point that the only answer to the challenges that we are facing is coming from the far right and in this time of transformation when the state is transforming from a filter trying to absorb external shock to become a trans a transmission belt we call it the internationalization of the state the traditional parties are stuck in a very traditional conflict line between labor and capital between right and left and we are having a totally new conflict line based upon identity and the only one answering up to that kind of conflict line is the far right so there is a lack of political imagination and there is a lack of left populism so we are stuck with only right populism and i am belonging to the people longing for the emergence of some kind of a left populism following the the thinking of the double movement of called polandi we can't see that and that is one of the main explanations to me you know uh, that we are facing this kind of of, of severe Uh, challenges from the far right and from the rising nazism mm. mm. and it's probably also like part of the identity crisis that emerges in this globalization process yes. to me if i if my my biggest fears of the future is this uh, as a european as a swede is is this uh, right wing uh, extremist mm-hmm. tendencies but I, what i don't understand is how they appear because we're so well off in europe especially Sweden. So uh or shouldn't you be maybe aren't, aren't we pretty spoiled like what are we actually reacting against? if I may say so Gustav you're almost buying into the economistic worldview of the neoliberals mm-hmm. there. Uh it's it life for for people is not just about the consumption and the and the and the material the material welfare. It's about uh, it's about identity and feeling secure in identity. It's about uh, uh, feeling that uh, uh, that uh, you know economy and society is uh, secure in all other kinds of dimensions and that i think again is part of the lack of imagination it's unfortunate too that the that the right populism is also a politics of a lack of imagination as hans has said it it doesn't offer it doesn't offer a vision except to go back to an imagined past which never was and had securities which never were uh romanticizing the local and the national in ways that they never were. I mean there there power inequalities and oppressions in the local and the national as much as in the in the regional and the global but uh, so it is it is very disappointing of course if one looks in other places and if the media would uh, would uh, do us a favor by showing us some of the creative politics that's going around in the world then we would see uh, la via campesina food sovereignty movements uh, alternative agricultures that are that are that are quite vibrant one would see movements of sexual identity and gender identity which are which are very vibrant and, and creative and forward looking and and uh, uh, and one would see indigenous peoples movements with alternative ecological ideas and so on and so forth there is actually 
quite a lot of positive alternative politics going out there. Unfortunately, the mainstream media doesn't have much creativity and it prefers to show us neo-Nazi marches in Gothenburg. Mm-hmm. We're going to continue to segue into talking more about economics, but before that, we're going to have a super short break. Hey, this is Bethany from Best Coast, and you're listening to K103 Gothenburg Student Radio. We are back, and we're going to continue this globalization talk that we are more or less into now, talking about economy. Uh, And I might think we should talk about global inequality and the income gaps as trying Mm -hmm. to uh, understand uh, if the world is getting better or worse. Mm -hmm. Because as I understood it, we are kind of, I mean, we are, the, the gap is closing mm-hmm. between nations mm-hmm. but the gap is increasing mm-hmm. within nations mm-hmm. and it's mainly due to the developing world catching up to the west mm-hmm. like china's middle class is growing india's middle class is growing H- how is this gonna where is this gonna leave us depending on uh, uh, there are two different opinions about this and, and on throwing works a lot about it you know and i think that we can talk about relative um income gaps or absolute income gaps and depending on how you're measuring as John said before we can say that in the very long run they are converging but as they are departing from the very different levels in the short and the medium turn run they are widening the gaps and people are you know in the long run we are all dead so what people are suffering from presently are widening gaps Although we mathematically can show that in 60, 70, 80 years, we will probably have a convergence. And that is the drama of, of, of today, you know, that the gaps is, is, is still continuing and they are spreading fast. And that, I believe, is due to the lack of um, political will to change that. We have, we have um, allowed the market to decide and the distribution. It, it is also to do with that the room for economic policy has decreased for the nation state. You know, before the nation state was based its legitimacy internally by providing people some welfare, etc. Like a social contract. The social contract, right. And that social contract is being becoming eroding. And today the state are more dependent on the external legitimacy from the financial markets, etc. So they have to provide certain opportunities for making profits. And that is, of course, decreasing the tax base and the possibility for a progressive uh, income policy and, and a redistribution policy. If I may also, I would distinguish between inequalities between countries and inequalities between people. So the inequalities between countries are narrowing in some cases, not in all. But that doesn't mean that the inequalities between people are decreasing. In fact, you can have average country incomes come closer, but inequalities among people can actually grow. So I think what one finds in the present day is there is a 1% of super rich, and they have such an enormous concentration of asset value Uh, I mean, a few years ago, uh, Credit Suisse uh, research department showed that less than 1% of the world's population holds 48.2% of the the asset values in the world. Less than 1% holds almost half. And the bottom 50% hold less than 1% of the total. These are enormous inequalities. 
And that is going on at the same time that the per capita average of certain countries is getting closer. But we, we are not countries, we're people. Mm. And so the inequalities that are lived are the inequalities amongst people. And I think those are in incredibly, incredibly high. And, uh, and there, people, I think, do feel massive, massive exclusions. Yeah. Should you be, um, if, you took, if you look at the United Nations Millennium Goals, we had a report come out last year, and it was the goal was set for 2015, I believe. And these goals in the early 90s were considered, we're never going to make these goals, because it looks really bleak. And now in 2017, looking back, and it's been evaluated that a lot of these goals have actually been reached and a lot of people are surprised. Uh, what do you think about the UN Millennium Goals when you talk about if the world is getting better? Because they could be considered pretty clear that the world is getting better. Yeah. Well, I'm extremely happy that um, between 1990 and 2050, one billion people left extreme poverty. And we can see that the number of the Millennium Goals did achieve their targets. However, looking closely, we find that that is main, mainly explained by two countries, India and China. My friends in Sub-Saharan Africa got it worse during this time. Uh, Latin America became stagnant and Middle East due to the uh, internal wars, etc. also got it worse. So if you're not counting with China and India, the Millennium Declaration Goals became a failure. Mm -hmm. However, they had an extremely interesting process of continuation, and that is what we face today in Agenda 2030. Because the difference when we today are talking about sustainable development goals is that they are universal. You know, the Millennium Declaration goals were only for the low-income countries. The poor should deal with their own poverty. Now, due to the process of globalization, we have had an enormous shift in power relations. We have the BRICS countries, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa, are accepting social sustainable goals depending on the same commitment from the richer world. So that's created a situation where we also have to work in order to reduce these kind of gaps in a more coherent way. So I believe more in the sustainable development goals than I did in the Millennium Declaration. Mm. One of my biggest hopes for the future is actually when I look at the Millennium Goals and I, and I like the enrollment in primary education in, in the developing regions has reached 91%. And that to me like, is like daunting. I, th I think, like, what can these people do with an education that they... I mean, the emancipation from just education is my, my belief that it could be... And I'm talking like 20 years, 30 years. We had a very bad experience from that. In part of Southern Africa, for example, in Sub-Saharan Africa, we, we can see an increase in the level of education. But as long as you do not have any use for that kind of education, as long as the employment is not increasing, the education creates stronger frustration and make people uh, really adhering to some different kinds of, of, of rebellion and terrorism, etc. So the, the main challenge today for the world to become better is the creation of employment. Mm -hmm. And again, the, the Millennium Goals were focused on eight, eight targets for low-income countries. The SDGs, the, uh, the Sustainable Development Goals, are global. They look at the whole world. And there are 17 of them with 169 targets. 
It's much more systemic. It's much more holistic. It's asking questions about democracy. It's asking questions about ecology. It's asking questions about inequality. So it's a much bigger vision of, of, of de development than the Millennium Development Goals. With that greater ambition comes much greater difficulty of, uh, of advance and achievement. Uh, so we'll have to see where people are able to go. Mm. But I consider the Sustainable Development Goals as a transformative tool. I'm now traveling around in Sweden and the, number, the last two years I have been visiting 155 municipalities. And in all these municipalities, believe it or not, they're working with the implementation of the, of, of, of the Sustainable Development Goals. And that is, of course, extremely interesting because that is involving people and that is creating need for some kind of co-creation, creating a society with people instead of for people. So, so I can see really, but I think it's, it, it's strong differences between different countries. But here in Sweden, we can say that the people on the local level are really taking the sustainable development goals serious. Mm. Um, we've had some input from around the world. Uh, people are, like us here, they, are, they, don't, they, don't, they don't have a clear answer really. They think, yeah, it's definitely getting worse, but then it's definitely getting better also. And their hopes and fears are quite similar. They're, it's, it's about inequality and having the having access, basically. What, what are we're going to close now in like in, within this minute the discussion? But what are your biggest hopes and fears for the future from a personal perspective? Uh, you can start with you, Jan. Ooh. Hopes that politics can be creative. I did a lecture on globalization and development earlier this week, and I was looking at students who were 40 years younger than me who were in the position that I had been 40 years ago in the same, in the same lecture hall. I'd been on, in the seats rather than at the front. And I thought, what has happened in those 40 years? End of the Cold War that no one when I was a student in the late 70s imagined would happen. There was no idea of an internet. There was no idea that, that you could have global environmental movements and global environmental treaties and, and, and make these kind of advances. So uh, the hopeful part is to say uh, you never imagined what good things could come out mm. and how creative politics could be in spite of the day-to-day -day pessimism that we all always tend to have. So let me be hopeful. Uh, there's some evidence for it. <laughs> what about you, Hans? I'm extremely hopeful. Uh, And, and, and my trust is in local uh, democracy. I can see that increasingly now. And when the nation states are withdrawing from the political room for various reasons, cities are starting to play an important role. And after all, democracy was born in cities. And we know it was very exploitative process because people not within the city's boundaries were left behind. If cities can work closer today with their transnational networks, I think that cities can play a role for re-establishing uh, democracy and bringing politics back in. Mm. And that is my hope. Mm. I'm gonna try again and like maybe force an answer. I know your academics and you're not supposed to, but is the world getting better, yes or no? Complete silence. <laughs> it's almost like a resistance. <laughs> I think that's uh, it's a nice ending, actually. We're not going to have to end now because uh, we're going to sum up this marathon. But thank you so much for coming here at this late hour. It's 11 p.m. here in Sweden. So super grateful for you being here. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you, Gustav. Yeah.